0: Up next, Rob Smith is Problematic, part of the Gingrich 360
1: network. Andrew Yang used to be a Democrat. Now he's an independent. He wanted to be mayor of New York City. Now he has got a new book out. He is taking a lot of heat for talking to both sides in his quest to create a true third political party in this country, but is he crazy or is he right? This is Rob Smith is Problematic. that have happened in American politics happened earlier this week. So Andrew Yang has just come out as an independent. So how do we know Andrew Andrew Yang? Why do we know him? Uh, We know him because he was one of the most unorthodox people that threw their hat into the ring to become president of the United States when uh, all the Democrats were running against him. Remember, there's this clown car. There's like 15, 20 of them running. And he was so interesting And the thing that made him interesting was, number one, I mean, look, he is an Asian-American guy that had an entrepreneurial background. He was just presenting something different that we had never seen before. He obviously was not one of these, you know, machine Democrat politicians um, that they're running in. You know, he wasn't a Kamala Harris. He he. You know, in he was kind of like Pete Buttigieg in the way that he kind of just came out of nowhere. And he really did create this kind of movement. And I remember watching it at the time. Now, his signature thing, his signature policy proposal was the universal basic income UBI, where he basically thinks that every American, regardless of anything, should be given a universal basic income of, I I think that his idea was he wanted to give everybody $1,000 a month which I think is, of course, completely insane and and totally ridiculous and and just does not make any sense at all. But this is, you know, what he was going for. And I remember, you know, he's got this, uh, his fan base is called the Yang Gang. And I remember I was, you know, kind of on Twitter and I was kind of like blasting Andrew Yang a little bit. And so I got into like a little back and forth with the Yang Gang and all that. And what I will say about the Yang Gang, the people that sort of believe this man that were following what he had to say before, is that it was, you know, these were the, some of the more respectful back and forth that I've gotten into, you know, over Twitter and on social media, you know, social media is a cesspool, people are just awful. But, you know, these people were relatively civilized, relatively calm, okay? Andrew Yang is getting a lot of attention right now because he is going independent. He is saying what a lot of Americans are thinking, right? So he is basically saying that the two party system does not work for him. In that he is leaving the Democratic Party. Now, this is not saying that he is becoming a conservative. He's obviously not a Republican. But he is saying that I do not feel comfortable in this two-party binary right now. Because what is going on in our political discourse, what is going on with everything being so polarized, does not represent the things that I truly believe. Now, he did this, mind you. He has got a book coming out. I believe his book is called Forward notes on the future of our democracy, right? So obviously, look, this is this is part of book promo. Like, I get it. Um, this is, you know, something that's going on. But I want to read you some of what he wrote. So he kind of like came out as independent, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, on his blog. And I want to read you a little bit about what he said because, you know, these are a couple of things that, that struck me. And I do believe, look, whether you guys problematics, whether you're right, left, or in between – I think that there's a lot of interesting things that he has to say via this blog that he wrote when when he decided that, you know, he was coming out as independent. So this is what he had to say. And and these are a couple of the things that struck me. This is what he says. On a personal level, I'll admit there's always been something of an odd fit between me and the Democratic Party. I'm not very ideological. I'm practical. Making partisan arguments, particularly expressing what I often see as performative sentiment, is sometimes uncomfortable for me. I often think, okay, what can we actually do to solve the problem? I'm pretty sure there are others who feel the same way I do. So yes, Andrew Yang, there are others that feel the same way you do. I feel the same way you do. There are, there are things that I believe— As somebody who has entered into this space as a conservative commentator, political activist, whatever you want to call me, there are certain things that I believe that fall in line with very traditional Republican beliefs or conservative values, right? But there are also some things that I believe that may not fall in line with those values, and I find myself thinking about solutions more so than talking points, And when you exist in this space, when you exist like me, when your bread and butter is political commentary and your bread and butter is this discourse, you sometimes have to exist in ways where you are making arguments that are just completely partisan, that are just completely partisan and, and not necessarily practical and not really... Solution oriented and solution focused. What I love the most about this podcast platform is that I can talk to you guys, I can talk to the problematics, and we can go in depth about some of the bigger issues. Now, somebody that does a, a lot of cable news and does these hits, you know, you've got three, four minutes to make your point. So you don't have a whole lot of time to go in depth. And if I'm on Fox News and I'm battling a liberal, What you're seeing on camera is you're seeing two different sets of talking points. And what I would hope is that people that are watching these things can see two points of view and maybe that would give them um, a better insight as to what the solution to whatever the issue is, whether I'm battling a liberal over critical race theory or whether we're talking about, um, you know, the, the gun grabbers pushing for gun control, anything like that. There's a lot of stuff going on here, and this stuff isn't going to be solved in a a three-and-a-half-minute segment, right? But what he says – and I'm going to read you a little bit more about what he says, and this is what he says. And this is somebody who is an insider. This is somebody who has seen this stuff at the highest level that you can see this stuff. Like he was a candidate for president, okay? And, And when you're operating at that level, you see different things. Even at the level that I'm operating at, look, I've done a lot of things. I've been like I've been in the Oval Office with Donald Trump and, and I've been in the Roosevelt room, and um, I've met all these people and I've met you know all of these people, and I've been in these circles and I've gone to the dinners and I've done all that stuff. and you see it's almost like you're behind the curtain and you see how things are as opposed to how things are presented to the public. And this is what what Yang says. I've seen politicians publicly eviscerate each other and then act collegial or friendly backstage a few minutes later. A lot of it is theater. I've also had people publicly attack me and then text or call me privately to make sure that we were still cool. It just had to be done for appearances. And this is real. Like, honestly, to tell you the truth, um, this is probably the realest stuff that you will ever hear. From a politician, because this is absolutely true, and I want you to think about um, just two sides of the aisle, right? Think about the extremes that we have going on right now in American politics. So, so take for example the AOCs of the world, right? So compare the AOCs in the world to like who whoever is her counterpart on on the conservative side, right? There's a lot of the same things that are happening here. AOC says what she needs to say to her base, she has to present herself as some sort of victim. You know, she pretended that, you know, she was basically, you know, in the Capitol when the January 6th riots happened. Obviously, you know, we found out that she was nowhere near. But she says what she has to say to gin up her base And to gin up her base, she has to say that Republicans are evil. She has to say that these people are evil, that these people are terrorists and insurrectionists and domestic terrorists and white supremacists and all of these other things. This is the binary that she exists in. This is the binary that has made her a multimillionaire, right? This is what gets her on the Met Gala. Um, This is what has gotten her what she has. Now, case in point, who is her alternative on the right? And you guys, I'm not even going to say a name. Just think of any prominent conservative politician right now what are they doing they are demonizing the other side they are talking in talking points they're talking in partisan propaganda they are saying what they need to say to raise money to get their donations to gin up their base to make it seem like they are quote-unquote fighting right because you know on the conservative side yeah everybody's a fighter we're fighting we're fighting fighting who and fighting for what is my question and I have to be completely honest about this. So what Yang is onto is this political polarization that we that we have on both sides and there are entire industries built on this. And I've got to tell you guys like I've got to take some ownership of my part in all of this stuff. Three and a half years ago, I decided to come out as as conservative, Republican, whatever you want to call it, because I thought that the left had gone completely insane. And they have, by the way. They have gone crazy. And when I say that the left has gone insane, I'm not talking in partisan politics. I don't want you to believe that, that these people are evil, because I don't believe that they're evil. I believe that they are just so ideologically driven that there is some evil that comes out of their behavior. And this is what happens when you're dealing with people that are so partisan and so ideologically driven. And so when you get back to the point that Yang made about why there are, in his words, an odd fit between him and the Democratic Party, because he said he is not very ideological, he's practical. I feel very similarly. There are things that I truly believe. And there are things that I, that I truly believe, that I will believe to my core, that I will never back down on, that I will never back away from. But these things that I believe are not necessarily rooted in ideology, they're rooted in practicality, case in point. So we'll talk about the critical race theory thing, right? My complete resistance to critical race theory in all of its forms is not anything ideological. It is the practicality that for me, the public education system needs to be about first and foremost educating children on the basics, reading, writing, math, fundamental things that are going to help them move through this world. I do not believe that critical race theory, I do not believe that any of that stuff is going to fundamentally, practically help any of these students move through the world. In fact, I think it will do the opposite, particularly particularly to young African-American students. I think that it will teach them to see themselves only as victims. It will teach them to see whites only as oppressors. And I know practically that going through the world with that mindset will hinder your success in it. So my opposition to critical race theory doesn't come from a place where America is fantastic and America has always been great and, and all of this other stuff. America is a place that has a lot of problems. But what I think is that we fundamentally own up to our problems, we address them, and we move forward. So I I digressed a little bit there about the critical race theory, but I wanted to make it clear that I connect with what he is saying About this ideology versus practicality. And he's made a lot of good points, but is he right? And is there anything that can be done, truly done, to fix this sort of two party binary system that we're in right now? I will delve into that after the break. The question of the episode, the question of today is Is Andrew Yang right? I would venture to say, yes, he is right about one fundamental thing. And the fundamental thing that he is correct about, the fundamental thing that he really breaks down in this blog and in everything that he's doing on this book tour. And and I'm going to buy the book. Like, I have been sold. I am going to buy the book. I am interested in his ideas. I'm always interested in ideas. And I will buy the book. And 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 I will read these ideas. and And I will see what I think about them. But his fundamental statement and this is something that you will hear from a lot of libertarians. This is something that you will fundamentally hear from a lot of independents. And I am always very suspicious of independents because some of the people that I have met, you know, through my travels that claim to be independent, these are people that will that are some of the biggest partisans and biggest leftists you'll ever meet in your life. And it's almost like for some people Saying that you're an independent is an escape hatch from not having to take a stand on anything, and that is why I'm skeptical of of most independence. That's why most people are skeptical skeptical of independence. That is why I'm skeptical of Andrew Yang and this whole movement. And even in this movement so far, you will see sort of some of the partisans try to pull him to to whatever their sides are. So. Andrew Yang sat down with Tucker Carlson. He had a really interesting conversation. I'm a regular viewer of Tucker Carlson. I, I you know, I, I don't think that he's a white nationalist. I don't think that he is evil, that he's spouting off white nationalist talking points, etc. I don't think anything like that. I think this is a character that the, crea- that the left has created out of him, I think, when I think about Tucker Carlson, is that he, this is one of less than five people that are doing actual investigative journalism in this country right now. And one of the other ones is James O'Keefe from Project Veritas, and I think another is maybe Glenn Greenwald, right? And so these people are, are from different political, you know, backgrounds. But anyway, Andrew Yang spoke to Tucker Carlson. This is verboten from people, you know, for people on the left, on the Democratic Party, because what they want is to completely diminish the messages of the other side and to diminish Tucker's message. He is defined as a white supremacist, as a white nationalist, as all of these different things. And so that is how they define Tucker Carlson. So Andrew Yang spoke to Jim Acosta over on CNN about... You know, so Acosta kind of confronted him a little bit and kind of called him to the carpet on this thing. And I want you to listen um, to this exchange. It's it's very interesting.
0: Tucker Carlson, I mean, I mean, I, let's just say he's just a bad person and he represents so much of what is wrong on in television news these days. You know this all too well. He, he you know, spouts off white nationalist talking points. And so why why would you even go on his show? And... Why didn't you go after him when he's citing the Unabomber and talking, I mean, just crazy stuff? One of the things we have to do, Jim, is try and take the temperature of the country down. And the only way to do that is to reach out to people where they are. As you know, Tucker commands a massive audience. And if you wanted to try to build a unifying popular movement that does call attention to the fact that our system's not working really for anyone. Uh, you know you you have to again reach out Uh, and that's what i was doing on that show i mean that the goal is to have republicans who are discontent to channel their discontent in a positive way and right now in my view it's not going in a positive direction i'd like to help change that and you think you could bring some of tucker's viewers into the forward party i mean is that what you were trying to do there I had a volunteer, Carrie Ann, who actually said that she'd been helping my campaigns for the last couple of years, and her Republican father had never taken an interest. And then I was on Tucker's program, and all of a sudden he calls Carrie Ann is like, Hey, tell me more. And I think that's that's the only way we're going to get through this time. That we sense that we're teetering towards some version of a new civil war and political violence. And there's unfortunately the incentives are gonna make that more likely, not less likely, over time, unless We have a dramatic shift in dynamic, and that's what I'm trying to provide with the forward party. It's going to involve reaching out to Americans of every political alignment."
1: Okay, so look, sounds pretty reasonable to me. Sounds pretty pragmatic. Sounds pretty practical. And and the interesting thing about this exchange, right? So Andrew Yang is on CNN, he's talking to Jim Acosta, and you know, I, I talk a lot about the corporate mainstream media at this point, but you have to understand. You have to understand this that the corporate mainstream media that we have in the society is a part is a big part of the the problem of political polarization that we had. So Acosta has Andrew Yang on. And nearly immediately, it's Tucker Carlson is a bad person. He espouses white nationalist talking points, you know, in in, in the implication is that anybody who watches this show, This uh, Tucker Carlson has the biggest audience on, on cable news, I, I believe, in American history. Millions and millions of viewers a night. Acosta will never get these numbers. Nobody on CNN will ever... Uh, no show on CNN breaks a million viewers, period, right? So... First of all, there's a lot of professional jealousy that is going on here because you know Acosta knows he'll he'll never be be that big. But the implication is that since Tucker Carlson, and this is Acosta's words, since Tucker Carlson is a bad person and Tucker Carlson spouts white nationalist talking points, then every single person that watches that show is also a bad person and also is a white nationalist. And this is the temperature that needs to be taken down. This is exactly what Yang is saying. This proves his point exactly. Because if as Americans, and like I said, problematics, I don't know if you're right, left, or in between. I have a lot of people, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast. And everybody's not necessarily that listens to this podcast is a hardcore Republican and certainly not a hardcore Democrat. I I think that a lot of my listeners are like me. Um, They're just people looking for a way forward. They're people that aren't necessarily hyperpartisan all the time they just want to kind of hash it out right and so part of what enriches people like Jim Acosta part of people part of what enriches people like our larger political and media figures in this country is hyperpartisanship and so this is what Yang is trying to to get away from. And he tweeted something that I think is very interesting. And this is what I have always believed, mind you. And this is something that got me in a lot of trouble. And this is why th- this is why I this is why I came out as conservative because I never really believed that people that voted for for Trump or that people that were republicans or anything like that i never truly believed that these were just all evil racist hateful people i just never believed that And this is what he said most americans are good people in real life when you sit down with them so this means that most people most americans are just trying to go through their day-to-day lives They are just trying to do the best that they can. We all have different beliefs. We all have different systems. We all have different ways that we have come to how we live our lives and what we believe that are shaped by our upbringings, that are shaped by our backgrounds, that are shaped by the people that we were raised by, the people that we are around. And he believes that, and I I believe that as well, because when I was being told In 2017, in 2016, when I was being told that all of these people that were Trump-supporting Republicans and all of these people were racists and white nationalists and they were homophobes and they hated me and they they hated me because I'm black and they hated me because I'm gay and they just want to round up gay people and put them in a concentration camp. so I never believed any of this stuff because it wasn't representative of the people that I had actually met because I had not lived in that sort of New York City liberal bubble for my entire life. I was in the military. And I know for a fact that a lot of my superiors that were white and male were Republicans. These are people that, I mean, I, these are people that obviously this was pre-Trump, but these are people that I am certain voted for Trump in, in 2016. And so what are we left with? when we have so internalized the ideas, and mind you, this is what happens on the left and the right, mind you. What happens and what are we left with as Americans when we have internalized this idea that people that do not adhere to the belief system that we have are evil, that they're radical, or that they're crazy, or that you know, will say what the, the right says about the left is that they want to destroy America. What the left says about the right is that they are white supremacists and that are they are evil. And what we are left with after that, when all of that stuff goes, when when these corporate behemoths make their billions, and when all these political commentators that their bread and butter is this kind of political polarization. And when they've made their millions and when they're off in their little compounds or whatever, what is left for the rest of the average Americans? What is left is civil war. What is left is anarchy. What is left is hating your neighbors. And this is I what I believe that Andrew Yang is getting at. So I agree with him in... in these aspects. But is he right? And is there anything that can be done to really fix this system, this system of political polarization, this system of a two-party system where people are enriching and benefiting themselves on the backs of taxpayers and donors? I'll answer that question after the break. Is there anything that can be done to fix this system that we live in? the system that we are operating in right now, which is not working for the average American, okay? I make no bones about, and I and I will not lie to you guys, there's a bubble that, I, I you know, I'm a part of the bubble as well. I gotta admit this. I am self-employed. I have my contracts. I go to, you know, I, I go to DC. I go to these functions. I meet these high-profile people. Like, there is a bubble here. That and I exist in that bubble to a certain extent, but here's the thing about existing in the bubble to a certain extent and living in that bubble. I had a real life before all of this. Okay, I was born and raised in Akron, Ohio. Went into the military. You know, was um was in combat. My first, or my earlier days in New York City. I made thirty thousand dollars a year at my first job. I was my, my weekly budget was like $125 at certain days. So I know what life is like outside of this sort of conservative media, self-employed business owner bubble that I am existing in right now. I get it. And the problem with the people in power, the power with the problem with how our society is built is that there really is a uniparty, guys. And, and this is, if you've never heard the uniparty theory, this is, I had first heard of this theory from Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I've met, who I've heard speak, who I've interacted with, who is nowhere near the maniac that Democrats and the left try to paint her as, even though she says stupid stuff on Twitter a lot. And I think that she wades into, I think that she wades into culture war stuff that is a function of what I was talking to you before about generating attention and fighting and getting donations and all of that stuff. You know, they all do it. But... She talks a lot about the uniparty theory. And the the uniparty theory is this, that both left and right in Washington, D.C. are unified in a lot of different ways because they are unified in the goal to enrich themselves. And in order to enrich themselves, this is why these people come to Congress um, for 10 years. This is why Maxine Waters has been in Congress for 30 years and is worth tens of millions. This is why Nancy Pelosi has been in Congress for decades and is worth $178 million. Um, This is why... You know, this is why they're Republican Congress members that are worth millions of dollars. And so the uniparty theory is that left and right in Washington, D.C. are playing a game. They are participating in theater, and the theater is, is for our benefit. It is for us to watch, and it's for us to think that they are actually doing something when in actuality, they are doing absolutely nothing for the American people, and they are growing government, and they are enriching themselves, and they are securing their own survival. This is the uniparty theory. And I absolutely believe this. From what I've seen in my life and interacting with some of these people in just my, my spidey sense gets tingling when you see some of these people, and this is absolutely what is going on here. Look at AOC. AOC has been absorbed into the swamp, okay? This woman is worth millions of dollars at this point, will be worth tens of millions. If she decides to, if she stays in Congress and she plays that game, she'll be worth tens of millions. If she gets out, she will be rewarded handsomely. By the entire system, right? So, this is what we're left with. And you can see the uniparty system in play. You can see it. Remember when COVID was happening? And all of them, you remember the left was trying to push this ridiculous bill, one of the first multi trillion dollar packages. This thing was a thousand pages long. And, you know, of course, all the congressmen were like, all the Republican congressmen were like, this is crazy. We can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And then the people on the left were like, no, I can't sign this. This isn't enough, blah, blah, blah. You know what happened? They all signed it. We still don't even know what the hell was in that first package. But this is how the Uniparty works, people. This is how it works, these people will pretend that they're fighting for anything other than their own power and their own wealth. It happens on both sides. You know, AOC is saying one thing over here. Matt Gates is saying another thing over there. What do they do? They both sign the freaking—they both vote for the bill. The bill passes. Trillions of dollars that we don't even know about. But I, but you know what? The Uniparty came together with that, didn't they? You know what the American people got out of that? 600 effing dollars. Back to Andrew Yang. He is right about the fundamental, the fundamental fact that our discourse is broken. The temperature of the way that we speak of each other and the way that we speak to each other needs to be fundamentally turned down in American society. But what I will leave you with is this, and this is my greatest hesitancy, and this is my biggest suspicion with all of this stuff. Is Yang truly trying to turn the temperature down in society? Is he truly trying to make a change towards the things that we all know need to be true? We know that Congress people need to have term limits. We know that there needs to be more transparency in government. Is he really advocating for this stuff? Is he really pushing for this stuff? Is an independent third party, he's calling it the forward party, Is this really the path towards doing all of these things in the society? Or is this just another failed politician making a money grab? Is this just another function of a politician finding another way to enrich himself? At this point, I do not know. But what I will tell you is this. I'm very skeptical of all of these people. I'm very skeptical of the whole thing. And if you guys have listened to me from the beginning, you will see the progression that the space that I am in right now politically is that this stuff is rotten, folks. It's rotten. We're in a post truth era. It is driven by hyper-partisans who benefit from political polarization in our society. Think to yourself. Think, a, think, and I'm not going to say any names, right? And this isn't, you know, professional jealousy or anything at all. Think about how elevated certain voices are in the society. And think about how other people sort of like, kind of like struggle to get a foothold, struggle to get their voices heard, struggle to get attention, the attention that is given to People whose entire brand is hyperpartisanship. It is not pragmatic. It is not about working together. It is not about respecting and appreciating and listening to your fellow American. It is all about that side is evil. So think about how elevated they are in, in, in society. Think about the uniparty in D.C. Think about the media corporations that control... All of the information in the society and think about how enriched they are by the most hyperpartisan partisan language that we can have in society think about that stuff and ask for your ask you ask yourself can Andrew Yang really make a difference whether he's right or not oh! Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more of my episodes and get my weekly newsletter, please go to Gingrich360.com slash Rob. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher, Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker, Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.